All right, everybody doing good today? Good day, isn't it? It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I love it. So uh, thank you guys for being here today, man. Uh, today's going to be a pretty exciting day. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we're, our message this morning and our service this morning, but we've also got a pool party this afternoon, right? And uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go public with their faith. They're going to be baptized, and uh, that is a big deal. So hopefully you will be there to support them, you know, and encourage them, and hopefully just to meet some people. And um, I know yesterday we had a storm, and uh, there was a lot of uh, rain that fell yesterday, and the Lord goes, what if it rains tomorrow? I said, we're going to tell everybody instead of a pool party, we've got a gym party. So uh, the, the gym will be available, right? So it'll be a great opportunity for you guys to meet people, to connect with other people. And um, there's, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a whole other service that uh, you guys don't know maybe, you know, that you can meet people and kind of connect with them. And so I think it's always great. So it's a fellowship. It's going to be a baptism. You know, there's going to be food there. So that's a pretty good party. And uh, so hopefully you guys will make it. If you're watching this online, come on and join us. You know, it's going to be good. And uh, now if you're way out of state, I get it. You might have to miss that one. But we would love for you to be there today if you can. So it's going to be a good day. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a great day. So if it rains, we'll move inside. And if it doesn't rain, we'll play in the pool, right? So it's, uh, either way, it's going to be good. So we started last week with a series called I've Got This. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of a statement that people often make, like, hey, I've got this. And oftentimes we'll tell somebody, hey, you've got this, right? And that can be uh, encouraging. That can be positive. Hey, you've got this. You know, we believe in you. We've got confidence in you. But oftentimes what, with this I've got this mentality is we start putting a little bit too much um, confidence in the flesh or too much confidence in self. And, and we saw last week that God's word is, is pretty clear about some stuff. And so today we're talking about the, uh, the power of humility. And uh, last week we talked about, you know, the, the antidote, if you will, to, uh, to pride is humility. And that we're to clothe ourselves with humility, you know, uh, and hopefully you guys, maybe you started today uh, with uh, just some time in prayer. Maybe, start, you know, I don't know, maybe I got it rushing to get here, but some point today, take some time to just slow down and begin to give thanks and just to, to realize, man, that we are so dependent upon our heavenly father to meet our every need. And, uh, and so just clothe yourself with humility. You know, maybe instead of, you know, asking someone else to get up and serve you this morning, you got up and serve them, you know. And, uh, you know, we do that on a birthday sometimes, but maybe we ought to serve our spouse or serve our family and uh, look for a way just to, to clothe ourselves with humility. And so today we're talking about the power of humility and the most powerful thing that we have or to experience is, is Jesus, right? Just Jesus stepping into our life, filling us with the Holy Spirit and literally empowering us to go out and make a difference and to be his disciples and, and to be his, his difference makers, if you will, in this world, to be his witnesses. And so Jesus came, says in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so when we look back at the gospels and they point to, hey, why did Jesus come in? And, and, you know, he came to save us, to redeem us. But how he came, he came as a servant, a humble servant. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So hopefully if you're watching online or if you're here today, man, you're reminded, you know, we're as as Christians, we're to be followers of Christ. So we follow his example. And so Jesus was a servant and he came to serve. He came to serve the needs that I had. And, uh, you know, I, I'm needy. I'm broken. I'm in need of a savior. You're needy. You're broken. You're in need of a savior. And he, and he went to the cross to give his life as a ransom for many, for all, for all those that were, you know, separated from God because of their sin. And whatever that sin may be, maybe it's greed or it's, it's anger or resentment or pride. Jesus went to the cross for your pride. He went there to, uh, to die for your sin. And so, so I want us to, you know, to remember that you know, humility is what we see modeled in the person of our Savior. 
So I want us to kind of recap from last week. I'm not going to re-preach the whole thing. You guys can go back and watch that. Uh, you can get that online or you can go to our website and get that. But uh, pride sets up for destruction. We talked about that last week. Pride comes before a fall, right? And, um, and, and that happens. We, we let pride creep in. And God hates pride. You know, so uh, we talked about there's pride in that, you know, hey, we're proud of how someone responds. We're proud of uh, someone, you know, giving of their time. We're proud of someone serving. We're proud of someone, you know, sharing their faith. I mean, there's positive ways of being proud or having some pride in something, but to the, to the point that pride takes over. And we're going to unpack what that looks like today. God hates pride. And there's plenty of scriptures. I mean, like I said, there, if you want to do some research, do some research on pride in the scriptures and see what God's word says about it. Um, so God hates pride. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. And, and so scripture is pretty clear here. This one, this one kind of points it out. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. If we really fear God, and, and that's a healthy fear, you know, I think sometimes go, you shouldn't be afraid of God. There are times you ought to go, you know what, man, I have a righteous, reverent fear of God. That's a good place to be. When you don't have any fear of God, that, I mean, that's, that's trouble. And so there needs to be a fear, you know, but there's a respect. There's, but you've got to know, you know, hey, he's a loving father. He's a forgiving father. But, man, he is a righteous father. And, uh, and he is a father who, who will punish. And so we've got to be able to say, God, I want to have a healthy fear of you, a, a healthy relational fear with him. You know, not that we, we're cowering in fear, but we, we, we respect and we, we have reverence for him. And it says, therefore, I hate pride and arrogance. And so we're going to kind of unpack some of that today, but we're to hate it. And there are certain things you're supposed to hate. Now, I can remember growing up, I won't ever forget one time we were, uh, and anybody remember Howard Cosell? I mean, I'm showing my age there, but Howard Cosell was on Monday Night Football. And I can remember I was over at my buddy's house and his dad was a pastor. And, and anyway, uh, Howard Cosell comes on and, and uh, so Tony's little brother goes, I hate Howard Cosell. And his dad goes, you don't hate nobody. You can dislike him a lot because I do too, but you don't hate nobody. You know, and I'm think, I remember thinking, wow, okay, can't, not supposed to hate anybody. But we are to hate sin, hate, hate pride, right? And, and it says, I hate pride and arrogance. And it says corruption and perverse speech. You know, I know we live in an age where it seems like anybody and everybody, you know, you have to use nasty language, it seems like, cursing. You know, growing up, you know, I remember not even hearing cuss words except in my, from my dad. But you didn't hear that in school, you know, until you got to like middle school. And then it was like, dude, what happened, man? And it was like everybody had, you know, potty mouth. But now it's like everybody does, you know, everything on TV, you know, and all this stuff. And if you're a celebrity, you're supposed to have trash mouth. And I know in the military, oftentimes, you know, hey, it's, it's uh, I mean, you got to have that potty mouth kind of fit in. Well, you know what? You can be a difference maker and you can be a leader, a great leader without having to have trash mouth. You know what I'm saying? And so scripture says corruption and perverse speech. God hates that. He says, let our words build up, let our words speak life, you know, so we, we can, we, we can live without that. So pride poisons our mind and our heart. We talked about this last week. If we go back to the very first, uh, the fall of man in Genesis, the first of the scriptures there, we see where the, the enemy, we see where Satan literally tempts and tests and he uses pride to, to literally rob, you know, the, the mind and the heart of, of, of uh, Adam and Eve to where they're wanting what God has. So pride poisons our mind and our heart. And then pride is satanic. We talked about this last week, you know, the fall of, of the, uh, the enemy, was the fall of Satan, of Lucifer, goes back to he wanted to be higher than God. He wanted literally to be in control. He wanted to be one that, uh, that he would be above the stars of heaven. And so it's his most effective weapon. It's what he does best. It's what he started with, right? 
And so we wonder, you know, why pride is such a big deal. And we said this last week also that it was the first, the first sin of man and it will most likely be the last because the, it is so effective with us. We love to be puffed up. We love to hear people, you know, begin to build up this pride in our life. And, and if, they'll, if they'll fan it into flame, it'll, it'll ruin us. So there's three forms of pride that we're going to look at today. Vanity, conceit, and arrogance. Vanity, conceit, and arrogance. And so we're going to kind of unpack these. And Scripture will speak to these. But vanity is, is one of those things that we often, uh, you know, we, we, we realize, you know, vanity is preoccupied with appearances. It's all about how do you look. And in this day and age, that's a lot of it, right? I mean, it's about how do you look, you know, how do you dress, you know, um, you know athletically, physically, whatever it might be, sexy, whatever you want to call it. And so what happens, and I'm just telling you, the, the, the church is not exempt from this, is we get caught up in, in what we look like. We get caught up with our appearances. We want to look right. We got to have the right car. You know, we were passing a truck yesterday, and, and I saw that truck, and I was like, man, that's a sweet truck. And it is a sweet truck, but it's about an $80,000 truck or $90,000 truck now. You know, and, uh, and so there are things that we like, right? But, man, they can become idols real quick, and all of a sudden we can say, hey, listen, if I have that, I'll look cool. I'll look different. I'll look better. And oftentimes, even how we dress, we dress to accentuate ways that really don't honor God. But it's what everybody else is doing. And so, hey, I want to fit in. I want to be like everybody else. I want to wear what they wear. And so vanity is, pre, look at that, preoccupied with appearance. It's like that's your focus. Jesus, the author of, of, of your salvation, is not your focus. It's how you look and how you dress. And pride can creep into that. And so you'll spend so much time working on what you look like that you don't ever think about what you look like on the inside. And you don't think about your heart. And you don't think about, you know, what your focus is on. And let me tell you, the world that we live in, I mean, there's a lot of money made on trying to get people to focus on their, their appearance. And we buy, we buy into that. The church is no different, right? I mean, think about how much money we spend on advertisements to come into our house. We pay a lot of money to, to you know, to Spectrum or Wow or AT&T or whatever you've got to pump garbage into our lives that literally is telling us, hey, listen, this is what you need to look good. This is what you need, whatever. And you can become preoccupied with that because you want everybody to kind of notice you. That's pride, right? And you become preoccupied with appearance. And so the vain person derives self-esteem from the turned head, public honors, and tokens of success. And so it's recognition. Hey, I need someone to notice me. And we all need an attaboy, Right. I think everybody wants to, every once in a while, needs someone to just say, hey, listen, you matter. I see you, right? I see you, you matter, and, you know, and I noticed you. Uh, somebody just being noticed, that's a big deal, right? And, and so there's, there's this need within us that we, we want to be acknowledged sometimes, and, and we oftentimes will let things get in the way of God saying, hey, here's an attaboy. Oftentimes God will just say, hey, listen, I'm proud of you, and he'll speak it over you. We can read it in, in the scripture, man. We, we realize how much he loves us. This is an incredible love story. And whenever you read through there and you go, you know, God says he has a plan for my life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And you go, man, God's got a plan for my life. Man, that ought to, that's an affirmation, right? We need affirmation. We need someone to speak things over us. But the vain person derives self-esteem. In other words, who they are is based on what everybody else thinks about them, not what God thinks about them. And, and, and so the vain person derives self-esteem from turned heads public honors and tokens of success so it's what everybody thinks so the opinion of everybody else is more important than what god says and even what god does in our life and so we we will compromise what god's word says to to get the the accolades if you will or get the things that you know the world says are important and, and so then you say hey well listen who is really you know god in my life is it the world 
or is it really Jesus? Is Jesus really the Lord of my life or is it the world? Because all we have to do is look at how we, how, how our self-esteem is built. Are we, are we excited about what God's word says about us? Or are we more excited about what someone else says about us? Whenever they compliment us, whenever they brag on us or whatever, you know, that does more for us than the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, you know, speaking life over us. And so oftentimes we become focused on these things rather than on Jesus. And, and so, so the vain person looks that way. The vain are vulnerable to the shifting opinions of the crowd. You know, I, um, I'm not a big social media person. I don't, I, don't, I don't like a lot of it, but there are some positive ways to use it, right? I mean, there's things to, to do, uh, and there's ways that you can contribute to the conversation that hopefully are positive and life-giving. But I, I constantly read articles on different people that, you know, talk about the struggle of being a celebrity or whatever, or being in social media and how, you know, you got your, your keyboard warriors who are always attacking you and they always try to find something. And we all, you know, you hear it all the time. And, and, and so I was thinking about that. So the vain are vulnerable to the shifting opinions. And let me tell you, they shift like sand. They shift like sand. So if you're building your, your life and your focus and everything that you do on people's opinions, I'm just telling you, man, they shift like crazy. They cannot get enough sleep, and they're, you know, they're, they're, all of a sudden they're a bear. They don't get fed, and they're hangry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all that stuff kind of comes in. You know, and all you got to say is one thing that they don't like, and all of a sudden you're not who they thought you were, and all of a sudden something they don't, they don't like you anymore. You know, I, I was talking with someone the other day, and they were sharing about a family member that uh, two sisters had not been together, had not had anything to do, had not spoken 10 years. But the mom died, and so they had to get together for the for the funeral so they had to get together and have a little bit of conversation about how the funeral service was going to go and it all stemmed back to 10 years earlier where a brother-in-law or somebody somebody had said something that that just kind of put a rift in the family for 10 years two sisters didn't speak to each other and so the shifting opinions man if you're trying to live up and you're trying to you know live your life to satisfy and to please people I'm pr- i promise you you'll never hit the target but God's word gives us a very clear thing, man. If, we, if we'll submit and surrender our life to Christ and let him live in us and live through us, you know, then we don't have to worry so much about what people think as much as we have to worry about what he thinks. And he even tells us, hey, listen, he'll fight fights that we don't have to fight. He'll, he'll, he'll defend us. He'll, he'll go before us. And so the vain are vulnerable to the shifting opinions of the crowd, and they shift like crazy. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. I love this passage here in Philippians where he's talking about, hey, listen, don't make it about you. Just make it about serving people. You might say, well, Mike, you just said not to listen to the opinions of people. Yeah, but think about what are their needs and meet their needs. You know, minister to them. You know, be Jesus with skin on in their life, you know, and, and meet the needs that they have. And they may need to be encouraged. They may need to be affirmed. They may even need to be rebuked, Right. And it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't make, it, don't make it about me. You know, I really don't have that much to bring. And it's not about me. It's about you, God. And it's about loving people. So, God, I want to love you with all my heart. And I want to love people. And I know they're broken. I know they're messed up. And I know that their opinions shift and they go everywhere. So I'm not building my life on their opinions. I'm building it on your word. And, God, I'm going to build it on the word of God that will last forever, that never returns void. And so, God, I want to be your witness to these people I want to be your witness to these people that you sent your son to die for. And so number two is conceit. Conceit is an exaggerated opinion of one's virtues and accomplishments. 
uh, conceited. You know, we, we talk about someone being conceited. They're so conceited. And, you know, that's a negative sounding thing. And, and, and we talk about them being conceited. They're, they're just kind of, kind of puffed up, if you will. They're, they think they're all that in a bag of chips. And, and so we don't like that. But the thing is, is when we're like that and we act like this oftentimes, we think it's okay. We justify it. Remember we talked about that last week. When someone else acts conceited, we do not like it. When we act conceited, we just think, well, I'm just, I just don't want to have anything to do with those people. You know, and, and let me tell you, there are plenty of religious people that become super conceited. They look around at all these other sinners and they go, man, they're so screwed up. They're so messed up. And we can have this spiritual arrogance about us or our conceit to us that we don't even want to have anything to do with people. And I don't know if you realize this, but if we're a follower of Jesus, Jesus came to what? To reach broken people. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go after the lost, the, the, you know, the, the unchurched. We're supposed to go after them. And what we become is we become conceited spiritually and religiously, really, and what we do is we become conceited and we don't even want to have anything to do with those that are not walking with Jesus the way that we think they ought to walk. And there's a spiritual arrogance that can take over in the church and in Christian realms and spiritual realms and we, and we become conceited. And it's an exaggerated opinion of one's virtues. Really it's of themselves, right? It's of what their accomplishments are. It's an exaggerated. So the conceited will diminish others to elevate themselves. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard, been around someone where and you oftentimes see this with like uh, artists, like musicians, like musicians will come out and they'll talk about this musician's music is really not music. You know, it's not true music. It's not this or whatever. And then you've got, you know, other people that will come out with things. And I see this in the church a lot. You know, they'll come out and say, well, that church is really not preaching the word of God. They preach a watered down gospel. They preach this, whatever. And there, there becomes this conceited arrogance that, well, they're really not, you know, teaching the truth of God's word. And the way they do things is really not what God's Word teaches. And, and all of a sudden it becomes this division, right? Because they're conceited. So what they do is they diminish others. And they'll say, well, yeah, they're going out and they're, they're doing this. But man, are they, are they really you know, doing that with a pure heart? We always want to judge others. And we want to look at them and say, you know, God, that's really not the way to go about it. But the thing is, is you know, we're supposed to look at the fruits in a, in a person's life. You know, are, are somebody doing these things for the right reasons? So you know if you're like this. I mean, you know, I, I remember growing up, you know, I didn't think I was conceited because I was, I, was so, I was super insecure growing up. And so what I would always do is I would try to find something wrong with somebody else because it made me feel better about myself. Now, that is jacked up, but I'm just telling you, that's the way I was. And so I would, if, if somebody was around and they did something, I would try to find something wrong with it because it made me feel better about myself, which is really messed up. And I can remember in college when Laurie and I were dating, she said that to me. She said, why do you always try to find something wrong with somebody? I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, why do you always try to find something wrong with somebody? She goes, it's like you're trying to put them down to make yourself feel better. Dude, you're talking about a nosebleed. I'm like, where did that come from? But she was spot on. And what God was using her to do was to speak to me about the sin in my life, the conceit, and I had no reason for it. But that's what we do. We, we become conceited and arrogant and haughty. And we start thinking that we're all that. And everything, everybody else is below us. And what it is, a lot of times, is because of insecurity Maybe it's because you've been taught that, you've been, it's been modeled. Maybe your mom was that way, your dad was that way. You know, whatever it might be. And what we have a tendency to do is we, we will justify it because that's the, what was modeled for us. Well, Jesus didn't model it. And I'm just telling you, there's often times that we have people in our life that will model things that are not what Jesus did. And we go, well, you know, that's what was modeled for me. It doesn't matter. What did Jesus model for you? That's what matters, right? Conceit develops into a general feeling of personal superior, superiority. It's like you're, you're a little bit better than people, you know, and, and oftentimes you can walk into crowds and, you know, you can see people. I, I heard a lady talking about the other day where 
a guy, you know, asked a, you know, uh, she, she needed some air in her tire or something like that. And the guy comes over and, and she, he had, he was all tatted up and she was a little bit nervous and, and she was like, no, I'm good. And he was like, no, no, I'll take care of it. And he, he pulls it out and he, he pays for her gas. I mean, for her, uh, her air to be, her tire to be inflated or whatever. And uh, he goes, hey, where do you go to church at? And she named the church. He goes, well, that's where I go. <laughs> and so she goes, I felt terrible because I'm thinking, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy because he's kind of rough looking, you know. And, uh, and she goes, and I realized, you know what? I was looking at the outside. I wasn't looking at the man's heart. See, God looks on the heart. And, and so too often what we have, we have a superiority mentality where we look around and they go, well, they don't dress like me and they don't look like me and they don't talk like me. And we've got to be willing to say, God, you sent your son Jesus to die for them. And so God, help me to not become conceited. And then Jesus told the story. I love this passage. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and, and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. That was as bad as it could get back in the day. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. He says, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, and I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. This is Jesus teaching. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. See, there's, there's a sense of humility and brokenness there instead of arrogance and conceit. So this is Jesus teaching. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. God, just be merciful to me. I don't deserve anything. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Yeah, and, and so Jesus is calling out because he's surrounded by Pharisees. You've got religious leaders all around him that are trying to put down his teaching and trying to do everything they can to find a way to kill him. And, and so he's sitting here addressing it. And he's saying, hey, listen, man we've got to come before God broken broken over our sin and so this tax collector who was hated among the people because he had betrayed his own people and, and so what what Jesus hey listen this guy went over wouldn't even look up at heaven you know he was down he's like God you know show mercy father forgive me and oftentimes what we do is we have the same mentality as the Pharisee we become self-righteous we're condescending we look down on people and we just think if they could just be like me. Remember, he says, if, if, just thank God I'm not like this guy over here. I wish he could be like me was kind of the mentality. And then arrogance. Arrogance is a feeling of superiority that shows itself in a lofty, overbearing manner. Uh, you might say, well, you know, what's the difference? Uh, you know, what's, what's the difference? Arrogance is this, I don't need anything. I really don't even need God. But arrogance is a feeling of superiority that shows itself in a lofty, overbearing manner. I mean, that just sounds like Lucifer to me. If you go back and you read his story and you read about how he had this mentality, this, this lofty superiority or whatever, that, hey, I want to be greater than God. I want to be over the stars. I want to be over everything. I mean, that's what it sounds like. They do, they do not need other people to validate their self-image. It's already messed up enough. They're not, they're not worried about the opinion of the crowd. They already know that they're better. They already think that they're better, right? Yeah, and so they have that mentality. So they don't need people to validate their self-image they've already got that and this is the sad thing there is no room for god in their life 
You know, there's a passage we read last week that I think speaks to this in Psalms 10, 4. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. And so if you're one of those that maybe you've let knowledge become too much of an issue in your life, and I, I, I'm all about knowledge. I think, you know, a higher education is a great thing, but oftentimes people become, you know, arrogant in their knowledge. They feel like they know too much. They're smarter than God. You know, and, um, you know, they think, you know, well, God didn't handle this the right way and God didn't do this the right way. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I'm not God, you are. And so, God, I'm coming before you in humility and brokenness. And, and there's things that we can do in life. We can have accomplishments. Maybe it's, maybe it's athletics. You know, you have, you're an incredible athlete and you accomplish things that nobody's ever been able to do before. And all of a sudden it can kind of build and you start thinking, hey, well, man, I'm all that. Or maybe it's knowledge and you go, you know, well, I've, I've done this and I'm the philosopher and, you know, and I've, you know, I've studied and I've read and you can become prideful and arrogant about how much you know. And, and I, like I said last week, we can even become prideful and arrogant about what we don't have. Like, well, I don't have, well, think that. And we can kind of become prideful and arrogant over, I don't have things. And we become prideful over that. You go, well, how in the world would you be prideful having nothing? But that's what insecurity does. Insecurity is just a jacked up form of pride. I mean, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, I don't, I don't want to have that mentality. God, I want to have a heart for you. So I want us to talk about today the power of humility. So that's kind of a recap, you know, and we talk about some of the pride and what it can do and how it, how it kind of reveals itself and how it shows up in our life. And some of you that are sitting here, as you're looking, listening to those talking about vanity and conceit and arrogance, you're sitting there going, you know what, that's me. That's me. And I'll just tell you this, if you're doing that and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, that's you. Then I'm telling you, there's power to overcome that. And God wants you to be set free from that because it's sin. If, if you're more focused on those things than you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm just telling you, it's sin in your life. It's sin in my life. You know, and, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to walk in humility. And there's power in humility. And so the, the Bible describes humility as this. It's, it's, it's meekness. Meekness is power under control. Jesus was, was, uh, was classified or uh, the quality of Jesus was meekness. He was meek. And so meekness is power under control. And so you think about it, Jesus had all the authority in the world. I mean, he could have called down, you know, angels to stop anything, the cross, you name it. But man, there was this meekness. He wanted to submit and be about the Father's will. A lowliness is grounded. Lowliness is grounded. Like, you know, it's not like, hey, I'm, I'm groveling but we're broken. You think back to the guy, the tax collector, man, there's a loathing. like, Lord, I don't deserve anything. God, you don't owe me a dime. And God, I'm just coming before you. I'm begging for mercy. And God, I'm asking if you'll forgive me. And it says, Jesus said that he was the one that left justified before God, right? And so there's a loneliness. I don't come before God arrogant. I don't come, before, you know, God. And I often hear people praying like this, like, God, this is what you've got to do. You don't strong arm God. You know, in our prayers, we're going, God, I'm praying for your will to be done. God, I'm reminding you of your word. I'm reminding you of your promises. Yes, but I don't tell God what to do. You know, and, and if, if that's the way you pray, I'm just telling you, you're praying the wrong way. But we come before him going, God, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. I'm asking you to, to do what your word says here. God, I'm reminding you of what it says. You know, there's been times whenever, you know, you tell your kids, hey, we're going to do something and, and you forget about it. And oftentimes you go, well, Mike, God doesn't forget anything. I get that. But sometimes your kids say, dad, didn't you say that we were going to do this? And you go, yep, I did. And then it's like, you know what? We're going to do that. And so we've got to be willing to do this. So the Bible describes humility as meekness, lowliness, and an absence of self. That, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to remove myself from the equation that it's not about me. And, and so 
humility is me going, I don't want to make it about me. I, you know, I want to I I walk in humility, and I want to make it about Jesus. And so humility is the antidote to pride. We've talked about that, right? So if you, you want to clothe yourselves with humility, you want to walk in humility. Yeah, and, and so we said, God, I, I want pride crucified in my life. And so, you know, I taught on pride last week. And so this past week, and I don't know if you guys know, but many of you guys do, but I, I, love the, I love the shooting sports. I love any kind of like shooting a shotgun, a rifle, a pistol, a bow and arrow, a slingshot. I don't care. I just like that kind of stuff. And so this past week, I had an opportunity to go shoot sporting clays. And, and I, was, I was shooting with a guy who, um, if you know what sporting clays are, it's these clay targets that you're shooting and they're going, kind of going everywhere. And so I went with a guy and uh, he got a new shotgun and, and he's competitive. I'm competitive. I, I told you all last week, I hate losing at anything. And so we're out there and he's beat me the last couple of times, which was kind of bothering me. And, uh, and so we're shooting and we're both shooting really good. And, and we get all the way through the course and he's got this new gun that he's excited about. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I want to beat him, you know, bad. And uh, so we get around, and we get to the last stand, and I have a two-shot lead on him. And uh, he goes, you know, if you miss two, then we tie. And I was like, dude, quit talking about it. Quit saying anything. And so we get up there, and he goes, are you nervous? And I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous. So quit. So it's the ultimate choke. I mean, I'm talking about I choke. I, I missed three out of four shots on that last stand. And it was one of those where it was like, ah, I mean, I had fury come up. I'm like, what are you doing, Mike? I mean, the ultimate choke. And then we're walking away, and I was like, all right, God, were you just trying to teach me about pride? You know, so I, I don't know if it was a lesson in humility or if it was like, you know, die to the pride. Because I had beat him, I was beating him, and then, of course, he's just sitting over smirking. And I'm like, oh, you. And then, of course, he had to tell my wife what had happened. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, listen, dude, going too far. But what I'm saying is God, pride comes before a what? A fall? Pride comes before a fall. So we've got to be one to say, God, I want to, I want to walk in humility. You know, hey, and if you beat me, tip your hat. You say, hey, listen, good job. It's like, you know, a batter's up there, a guy strikes you out, you say, man, good job. You know, if somebody hits a home run off of you, hey, good job. Whatever. Sometimes you just got to be willing to say, you know what, walk in humility because it's an antidote to pride. And pride will lead to anger and frustration. I'm telling you, I walked in that this past week. And I'm going, all right, God, I get it. And, of course, I told him, I said, hey, listen, I just want you to know Sunday's message was about pride. And so we have to be willing to die to those things. Humility is the antidote to that. So true humility is utterly dependent upon God. It's going, God, I'm dependent upon you. I don't, I don't have anything to really bring to the table. And God, I, I want to be used by you. But it's being utterly dependent upon God in everything with our kids. You can't go, well, you know, I'm a great parent because I've read all these books. I had a, a, a lady a few years ago that you know, they were married and, and she, they did not have kids. And of course she could tell you everything that you were supposed to do in raising a kid. I said, you hadn't even had one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like when you had a couple of them, you come back and talk to me, you know what I'm saying? But there are times that we have this mentality. I have this knowledge, you know, and I've gone to school, but I'm just telling you, sometimes if you hadn't worked in the real world, you don't know. If you hadn't raised kids, you don't know. And, and so humility is utterly dependent on God to raise our children, to raise them the way that God says honors him. You know, and you know, I, I had a friend of mine, I used to always tell everybody he was a professional expert. It didn't matter what you were doing, he knew something about it. I could tell him, hey, you know, the, the weatherman said, he goes, oh, man, it ain't going to rain. I was like, how do you know, dude? I mean, but he knew everything about everything. So I remember when we were planting a church, you know, I, I said, he was asking about it, and he said, uh, what you need to do? And I was like, have you planted a church? You know what I'm saying? I mean, did you ever get that way? You're like, hey, listen, dude, have you ever done that? Have you ever walked that road? And, and so humility is utterly dependent upon God that you're, you don't have it all figured out.
So Jesus modeled humility. I love this. So Paul is writing about this in Philippians. And, and, and look at what he says here. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That goes the vanity out the window right there, right? Say, don't, don't try to impress others. Don't make it about, you know, hey, I'm trying to get everybody to like me or impress them or whatever. He says, be humble. There's humility. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. In other words, there's that lowliness, right? There's that meekness, that lowliness. It says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So as a follower of Christ, that's really our job. It's, it's not, hey, you know, I'm, a, you know I'm, I'm like my dad. No, we're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, I'm like my mom. No, we're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, I'm like my coach. No, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I'm supposed to have the attitude of Christ. And I'm supposed to die to those things that are not like Jesus. And so you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus literally leaves heaven to come here to go to the cross for you and for me, for our sin, for our pride. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So Jesus literally took on the humble position of a slave, of a slave to this world to go to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins and to go and to literally pay the price that he didn't you know that he had not sinned but i couldn't pay but he could cover it and he even took on this flesh that we have and when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to god and died a criminal's death on a cross even became a criminal having committed no crime but he, he died for your sins and for my sins talking about humility and so when we we look at this we go you know what god let me ask a couple of questions here do you have the same attitude of christ jesus do you have the same attitude of christ this morning on the way here did you get an attitude and was it jesus or was it you uh, laurie and i were moving this past weekend uh, not not to a different location we're moving stuff out of storage we had moved into an apartment we moved into a smaller house and now we're trying to figure out where we're going to put some of this stuff and then some of it we're throwing away some of it we're giving away some of it we're selling and uh anyway so laurie was helping me hook up the truck and so i asked her to kind of you know kind of tell me how far to back up and so she starts to walk around the truck so i blow the horn dude you talking about some attitude <laughs> she can't get i mean it was like laser beam eyeballs you know i mean like good gracious and i was like hey you don't have to go around the front of the truck she goes hey listen i ain't your buddies she goes i am your wife and i'm sitting there going like hey where did that attitude come from and and so i want to say hey, look, that ain't the attitude of jesus lord i'm just telling you you know and uh she's in the second service by the way but uh anyway but do you have the attitude of jesus christ do you have that attitude that you go man that you, you're here to serve people I mean, Jesus left heaven to come serve, to wash the feet of a bunch of nasty disciples. He came to serve the need that I had and that you have. And so do you have the same attitude of Christ Jesus? Are you a humble servant? Are you arrogant? Are you conceited? You know, are, are, you, are you vain? And you know if you are. I mean, I promise you in this room and those watching online, I promise you're beginning to go, you know what? I know where I fall. I know what category I'm in. Well, what are you willing to do about it? Jesus, Jesus paid the price for it, for your sin. So what are you willing to do with it? Are you willing to confess it, repent of it, and walk away from it and say, God, I want you to change my heart. And I want to walk in humility. I want to be clothed in humility. 
Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and they and uh, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's talking about how people just kind of lord things over people. He says, not so with you. And this is, again, he's talking to his followers, right? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You say, listen, you got to put others first. You got to be willing to make it about other people, meeting their need. You know, about saying, hey, it's not about me. It's about, it's about others. For even the Son of Man, this is what we started with. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if we walk in that, here, here's what we need to understand. Humility serves others. If you haven't served anybody in a while, you're not walking in humility. If you're not walking, looking for ways to serve people, to bless people, to encourage people, you're not walking in humility. You're still making it about you because you're, you've got plenty of time. Everybody goes, Mike, you don't know what kind of time I've got. You've got the same 24 hours I do. So what do you do with that 24 hours? What do you, how are you living? So humility serves others. And I would say this, humility serves alongside others. So where are you serving? Are you serving in the body of Christ? Are you serving your neighbor? Are you serving your coworkers? Are you serving your boss? Are you serving, how are you serving and making a difference in the lives of people? And do they see you as one who, who walks in humility, who will get down and, and, and dig beside them, work beside them? You know, I thought about even like Laurie and I, you know, spent all day yesterday moving stuff. Like I said, you know, and she was right by my side. We were working together side by side doing that. And so, you know, we're serving alongside one another. And the humble, the humble have a willingness to forgive because they have been forgiven. And so if you're, if you're walking around with unforgiveness in your heart, I'm not sure you're clothed in humility. Because the one who has been clothed in humility understands, you know what? I don't have anything to really offer. And I come before God in brokenness. And I realize that I'm a sinner. And I realize that I've messed up. And I realize that I've blown it. And so the humble have a willingness to forgive because they have been, what, forgiven. And so if you're here today, you're watching online and, and you're bitter towards people and you're holding on to anger and resentment and you will not forgive them, I'm not sure you're clothed in humility. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you, when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth here. He said, listen, you didn't have a whole lot when you came. You know, I mean, there's not a whole lot to you credential-wise. And he's speaking to a, a, a people here that he's saying, listen, you got to understand, God doesn't need our credentials. He's got his own. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got what it takes. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So God doesn't need what we have. He just chooses to use us. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that one, no one may boast before him. I can't come to God with my credentials. I can't come to him with what I have done and what I've given up or what I've sacrificed or what I gave. All I can do is come before him and say, God, here I am. I give you my life and I love this. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. It's only through Jesus, right? Jesus gives us the knowledge of who God is. Jesus came to us so that we could go to God. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you're going to boast about anything, man, boast about Jesus. If you're going to boast about any of your accomplishments, 
Let it be that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that you have been redeemed, you have been purchased, you have been bought but with a price. He went to the cross and died for you, and you believe that with all of your heart. If you're going to boast, boast on the power of the resurrection, that my, my Lord is no longer dead and in a grave, but he is resurrected, and he has defeated death, and he has defeated the grave, and he has defeated sin, and he has defeated everything that was sin in opposition to me. And so therefore, I celebrate, I boast in the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, and I boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I boast in. So that's what we should walk in, right? And so next steps, and and these, one is from last week as well, surrender my life to Jesus and receive salvation by faith in what Jesus has done to redeem me. That is probably the truest form of humility. It's going, God, I don't have anything to offer, but God, I give you my life. God, I come before you today in faith, believing your word, believing your love for me is so real and so genuine and believing that Jesus died for me on the cross, believing that he was resurrected and believing that he can redeem me. Here's another one. I choose today to walk in humility. Today is a choice. I'm just telling you, you have to make this choice every day, sometimes moment by moment. And then here's the last one. I think this is probably where some of you are at. I choose to forgive because I have been forgiven. That's humility. Humility is not holding a debt. Humility is not holding a grudge. Humility is not holding on to bitterness and anger and resentment. But it's forgiving, letting it go. And maybe God's telling you right now, he's, maybe the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you all, all service about what you are hanging on to. And maybe it is vanity and conceit and arrogance. It's pride. And you go, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I've been living that way for most of my life. God, I want to walk in humility. And I want to serve you. And I want to serve others. I want to be a humble servant just like Jesus was. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. That first step is yours. Just say, Jesus. I want to come before you kind of like the tax collector, broken over my sin, not justifying it, not flippantly approaching you, not arrogantly approaching you, but Jesus, I'm coming before you humbly, asking for your forgiveness. Maybe you're watching online. You can get down right there by your couch. You can pray that. So Jesus, I come before you humbly, broken over my sin. Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. I'm confessing it to you. I'm asking you for, for you forgive, for forgiveness. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And I come to you with all the faith that I have, believing that you can save me, you can redeem me, you can change me, and you can use me. And so if that's your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, here in the room, if you would just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. I just asked Jesus to forgive me. I asked him to redeem me. I confess my sin. I repent of it. I turn to Jesus with everything that's in me. Just raise your hand high. I may not be able to see your hand. All right, I see your hand right over here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you did that online. If you don't mind, message us, text us, and let us know. My decision and tell us what you did today. But I believe there's a lot of people in this room and a lot of people watching online, men that are 
entangled is what scripture calls it entangled in sin entangled in pride and God's calling you to repentance he's illuminated an area of your life he's saying listen I want you to do business with this today and he's calling you to repentance and you can again if you're watching online you can wherever you are you can pull over you can sit down you can get you can say God I just want to repent of how I've been living in just a minute the prayer team's going to be here at the front they'll be able to pray with you pray over you but you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads and let me tell you one of the greatest forms of pride I think takes place is when we stand there where God is dealing with us and we won't go to the altar or we won't do what he's telling us to do because we're worried about what other people might think that's vanity but when we humbly submit and surrender to his spirit and we get on our face before a holy God and we repent of our sin I'm just telling you that's clothing yourself in humility Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for what you're doing even right now. Father, it's been a great day. One has put their faith in you for salvation. Father, I feel like you're calling a lot of us to repentance and brokenness. And so God, I pray right now as, as, as we step into this, this song of response, God, that we would respond as your Holy Spirit leads. God, help us to die to pride. Help us to clothe ourselves with humility. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you guys would stand all across the room, just stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit's leading. Worship team's gonna lead us.